You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I'm Marcus, and here we are on week 32 of the Q&A podcast. Grassroots Music UK podcast, a podcast for the unsigned artists. The group of you are sat around with a cup of coffee each and talking about how your next album is going to take the world by storm. As I've said out there, as I said last week, you're only one album, one good album away, and your artists or your heroes are only one bad album away from both of you meeting on the same bill. So your dreams are never further away than you believe. They're always closer than you think they are. Anyway, look, enough about that. Um, I feel like I'm on tour this week because I'm coming to you from um, my holiday. I went away and I thought, I'll bring me recording stuff with me. And uh, I'll record the grassroots right why I'm here, because I'm um, sitting here and it's uh, it's not been too bad. So I'm at Walton on the Nays, been enjoying some uh, days away, been having a lot of fun. It's been nice just to chill out and have a walk along the beach and stuff like that. And um, I thought, right, well, I record it because I always try and record it on the day it goes out if I can. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, if you hear anything in the background, if you see goals or whatever, I've tried to find the quietest part of the um of the holiday home which is technically a caravan for all you normal people out there but it's a holiday home um, according to the brochure um, in order to go through your questions and um, yeah I've got my tea in front of me and um, so let's get on with it thank you again for your questions let's get to work Wayne says hi everyone there Um, I just wondered as a songwriter myself do you write to be heard by others or do you write for yourself hello Wayne how you doing I noticed you're from Hemel Hempstead Wayne um, nice place. We've been there a few times. Um, I can't remember the venue. We used to play something like Legends or something it was called. We weren't Legends, but the venue was called Legends. Um, I think, to be fair, if you go down the road of writing what you think people will like, usually it doesn't work. Um, and I think um, it's the same with everything else. When we first started playing uh, the shows, even with covers, we found that if we had a pre conceived idea of what people would like then um, usually it didn't work now to change the subject ever so slightly I had a conversation with somebody the other day we we're having a chat and he said I've heard you don't like playing weddings and I said well it's not that I don't like playing weddings it's just that the weddings become about the couple or um, and what happens is they like to have everything to be right and everything is tailored for them for that day but what they have a tendency to do is to chat to the band and say this is the playlist that we want you to play. And they don't trust you to do your own job and to read what's in front of you. So you technically have like a preconceived idea of what you're going to play. And 99 times out of 100, and I would probably guess 990 times out of 1,000, when you're playing those songs in that order, it doesn't work with what's in front of you. Sometimes people go and sit down. Sometimes people get up and try and dance early. And you're suddenly thinking, my God, we've got about four slow ones coming up now. So if you have a preconceived idea of what people will like, that isn't always the way. You have to feed off what's out there. Of course you do. But I don't, although I although I do these grassroots and I hope that people like it and enjoy it. And even if you don't like music, you might like my stories or just enjoy what I do. I don't see myself, I'd, I'd never look at it and sort of go, well, look, I want to appeal to children. So what I'll do is mini grassroots and talk about how you first learn music and playing a triangle in the school band because I'm then having a preconceived idea of what would be there and usually you get it wrong 
And no doubt um, endless politicians and people out there have, have misjudged the British public and musicians have been the same. We've, we've played shows that we thought were going to be great that sucked and we've played shows that we thought were going to suck that were great. And um, you, never, you never know what you're going to get, so you have to kind of feed off what's out there. But I think the answer, uh, Wayne, is as a songwriter, you have to be true to yourself. I said last week about um, if your band has a certain sound, you end up writing in that style, and that's true. But um, I think ultimately, I don't write my songs to be heard by others. I don't write them and think, oh, if somebody, like, if somebody hears this, it'll be exactly what they're looking for. Because I'll give you an example, and I'll give him a shout-out, because I know he, he listens in. I teach a young man on Fridays, um, when I'm not holidaying and enjoying myself, uh, sunning myself in sunny water on the nays, called Fred, Fred Pipkin. And Fred is um, 17, and he has um, a list of songs that he wants to learn. And it's Bob Dylan, Donovan, um, and folk, Burt Yanks, and, and uh, John Redbourne, and all of these people, old school Neil Young, um, and because he has he has sort of music um, runs in the family for him, so he's listening through and finding old vinyls and listening through folk music and uh, Ralph McTell and and um, now if I looked at Fred's age group, I'd think well he's seventeen. Um, I'll write something that I think will you know that sort of age will rock out at, but the truth of it is that of the of the four albums that I've made or been a part of, of making, I would have th- thought that somebody of that age would be more into the matching stuff. But actually, he's going to be more into the Men of Earth stuff, which is the folky, bluegrassy sort of album that uh, Arthur, Noel and myself have, have collaborated on, which comes out on the 4th of July, comes out on Sunday. Um and uh, there'll be links on Spotify. It's just shameless plug there, Wayne. But look, I've got I've got albums to sell, mate. And but um, so that album comes out on Sunday, fourth um, of July. Why wouldn't it? American-based album. But the the original point is, if I'd have looked at Fred's uh, Fred's age group and lumped him in with everybody else, I would have just written something that I thought that that age group would like. And that's where you can be wrong. You're taking one particular person, and everybody is different. When I was growing up. Um, and my daughter is the same. I know I talk about her a lot, but because I'm proud of her, right? Why wouldn't I be? And when I was growing up, and when I was uh, at school, particularly sixth form, my mates were all into heavy metal, and and I, and rather than just listen to stuff that made me as cool as them in terms of how they saw me, I didn't care. I listened to UB40 and the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and the Kinks and um, you know Paul McCartney, and then I then I listened to some metal, but. But bearing in mind at that time, they were, they were this is heavy metal, it's status quo, it's Def Leppard. Well, that's not heavy metal, it's rock music. Um, but the point is that um, I didn't listen to stuff because I thought it would fit in with the, the group of people that I wanted to be in with. Um, I didn't use music as a barrier. If, if I liked something, then I listened to it. And if I didn't like something, then I didn't listen to it. I never, ever tried to just uh, keep up with the Joneses in terms of listening to the same stuff. Um, so the point is, when it came to writing songs, I never ever thought I'll write something that people will like because straight away, you're not being true to yourself. Straight away, you're not being true to the influences that you have. 
and the joy that you've had from music listening to it that you're now you should be able now to create your own music with your own lyrics and your own messages maybe on your own feelings and and um, situations about your own life and it's no good just sitting there and saying I've got an idea I think I'll write a song for kids um, about playing in a windy house or whatever because then loads of kids will listen to it that's not what it's about um, I'm. I would say that, um, of course, there are composers that are that are there to, to write songs for kids. I mean, if you look at you look at the Wiggles, you look at the success of the Wiggles, the Australian uh, uh, group, super group, really. They are worldwide famous, and um, I've seen them three or four times. Took the kids to see the Wiggles many times, and they write really great songs. But they they tailor for that age group for kids and stuff like that. But in a funny sort of way. That's kind of true to them. They, you know, they they are um, so good at that that they're they're writing songs. But the songs they write are not, you know, plinky plonky little tunes. That that they are they're really good songs. And um, I'm sure, although I'm not um, certain, but I'd be very surprised if um, somebody like that hadn't written a huge back catalogue of songs that weren't for kids that were true to them, maybe slightly truer to themselves and maybe more about... I, I know that, um, I think, uh, Greg, who was the Yellow Wiggle, um, had a couple of um, solo albums out with um, some sort of Elvis-style uh, music. If it wasn't if, if it wasn't covers, it was certainly songs of his own. And I'm sure that they... Somebody like that, I'm sure, that they would have written songs for other artists... Um, because you can't you can't move in those circles and not um, you know not be respected as a songwriter. So I'm sure they probably would have written songs with a slightly more grown up theme. Um, and so in in a funny sort of way, maybe they're they're tailoring their their set towards a particular audience. But that's what everybody does on a Saturday night at a Dog and Duck or or the Batley Working Men's Club is we're all trying to tailor our set to the audience that's in front of us. But if it was our own material. I think um, you can't gauge that. You don't know what people are going to like until you play it. And I've been wrong, and I've turned up at shows and thinking this lot will like a bit of heavy metal or this lot will like a bit of rock music. And then I played a country song, and the place has gone crazy. And I've had people getting up and doing line dancing, um, or I've played British Legions where you know I was the only person there on my own teeth. And um, and then you play something, and they're all gliding around the floor with. Um, you know, with uh, chalk and, and uh, what is it, uh, talcum powder on their shoes so they can glide around and do the foxtrot. And, um, and you're thinking, well, what am I going to do? And then by the end of the night, you're playing status quo and they're jumping up and down. And, and, and so you don't know what people are going to like. You can't ever tailor your own personal songs to what people will like. If I, um, Wayne, if I came around your house and had a look at your house and said, I like blue, so I'm going to paint your living room blue then you might get maybe five people who might pop in and say, I like this coloured wine, it's really nice. But you might get six or seven people who come and go, what do you got it blue for? And you go, well, to be honest, I thought that blue was a popular colour, so I thought more people than would like it than, than didn't like it. Well, without without appearing to start an argument, you go to Anfield and ask many how many people at Anfield like blue. You go to Old Trafford and ask many people at uh, Manchester United if they like blue or not. All right. So if you're writing a song for um, yourself, you just have to write it. 
and you just have to write it from the heart and you just have to write it from either personal experience or you write it because it's a great song in your mind and then you do the best with it. Um, artists and popular artists and famous artists and legends of music will probably all tell you the same thing and even though I don't know them personally, I've seen enough interviews to know that they never ever wrote anything because they thought that people would like it. See, the Rolling Stones are really, really big in Cuba. The Rolling Stones are really, really big in Spain. They're really, really big in Portugal. They're really, really big around the world, Buenos Aires and uh, Brazil. But you never hear them play a samba just because the Brazilian people would buy it or just because the, um, you know, or, or you hear them play a nice little bit of Spanish style because it would sell well in Spain. They just do what they do. And what they do is bloody successful and, and people around the world tap into it. So you can't write something um, for people to listen to. You have to write something for yourself, staying true to yourself. The, the, the legends of music are true to themselves. Lemmy from Motorhead, true to himself, never changed what he did, never changed how he dressed. Status quo, true to themselves, never changed what they did, never changed how they dressed. Um, the Rolling Stones, true to themselves. And that's the key to it. You know, if I if, if all of a sudden the matching, they turned around and they said, look, your album's gone massive in um, France, I wouldn't suddenly have a load of um, French-influenced music. I mean, there's a story about Elton John when he wrote um, Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. And it, and it was his biggest selling single in France. But I doubt very much that he actually thought, well, I'll put this on it. I think he probably just recorded everything and then listened back to it and said, that sounds a bit French. And it just, the, 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 the people of France and the people of that area just took to it and bought it. But I don't think, he never he never said, well, I'll, I'll, every album I put a song on there that sounds French so that the French like it and I'll put a Spanish on there and I'll put a polka on there and I'll put, to, he just wrote what was true to him. Um, and I, I may be wrong, but I'm just going by the interviews I've read. And uh, you got to remember that apart from uh, being a musician, I'm a huge fan of music. I'm an anorak on music. I've studied it. I've read about it. I've, um, you know, read about music therapy. I've read about all sorts of things. So I'm not somebody who just plugs my guitar in on a Saturday night. I've read about so many biographies and autobiographies over the years. I know the history of so many bands I know the history of, of a lot of the bands where they started. I know the original members of bands, you know, and there's so many people out there that that don't realise that before, you know, in a band like Iron Maiden, that the lineup they have now, there's only really one original member, or maybe two with Dave, Dave and Steve are the only two original members. And, um, you know, when, when you suddenly research that back, you think, wow... And funnily enough, the other members of, of Iron Maiden, um, uh, Clive on the drums, sadly, we lost Clive a, a few years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, Clive and also uh, Dennis Stratton was one of the original members. And these guys, I've, I've met a few of them, Paul Diano, I've met a few of them um, just doing club gigs or grassroots gigs um, because they, they need to carry on. And um, I mean, some friends of ours from the band went to see... Uh, John Power from Cast, and on the guitar he had um, Paul Arthurs, who's Bonehead from Oasis, and he was just there playing a club gig. So a lot of these musicians, when they're legends, 
once the once the they they particularly if they walk away from the band and don't want to do the stadiums and think well, I've earned me money I'll do it they still want to do it as a hobby and they still want to earn they still want to just do it just for the sake of doing it and writing and creating so get out there and create stuff that's true to yourself and stuff that you care about and stuff that you want to play Wayne sorry mate 16 minute answer that but the point is just have fun writing and write the best you can and do the best you can with every song that you write, mate. All right. Good luck. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your question, Wayne. Cheers. Music tuition online. Have your guitar, bass, mandolin, vocal tuition, even production live online. One-to-one tuition via Skype or alternative streaming media. Learn from the safety of your own home. For further information, please contact us at Innovation Studios at www.innovationstudios.com. Caitlin says, Hello, Marcus. I just wondered, what would you say to a musician that's thinking of giving up? Um, Think about it. Just think about it. I mean, if it isn't for you, if you're falling out of love with it, if you're not feeling it like you used to feel it. You don't have to do it. You know, the the thing about it is um, you never have to do anything that you don't want to do. If you turn up at a venue and you feel it's a little bit threatening, all right, you might get paid. But you don't have to put yourself in any position that you don't want to be in. I know there are contracts. I know that there's the opportunity that if you do that, you won't get booked again. And I know when you're trying to book a career and and, and trying to build a career, you need to be around and and be accessible and do everything you can and be reliable. But you never have to do anything that you don't want to do. And you never have to put yourself in a position where you don't feel safe for any amount of money. If you're playing somewhere and you feel like it's going to kick off, you can pack your gear away and you can go home if you want to. You won't get your money. But you, nobody's holding a gun to your head and insisting that you stay. Nobody's holding you to ransom. So if it's a case of that you've just fallen out of love with it or you feel intimidated or you just don't want to do it anymore, you don't have to do it. In my case, I've, I've done music and been around music for so many years that I'm pretty much unskilled in everything else. I can't do anything else. But that's not to say that I wouldn't be able to. If if I stepped away from music from my own choice, I'd look at it and say, okay, well, look, I'll have to learn how to do something else. I'm sure I've got two hands. I can learn. Um, but I think you have to remember that music isn't for everyone. This isn't for everyone. And um, some people who, who look at it and, and feel that it would be a good career for them, it would really be something that they would be interested in, quite often realize that the grass always looks a little bit greener from the other side when you actually jump into the middle of it when you're stepping out the van um, with a group of herberts dealing a few drugs outside a pub and you're loading your gear past them when you got people um, shouting stuff at you and over the years I've had beer thrown on me I've had pints of water thrown on me while I was playing I've had um, stages um not not collapsed through my weight but stages that didn't seem very very safe i've had we've had the roof of a marquee cave in with gallons of water all over us and while we were playing and everything was plugged in and we got away with that so we've had the horror stories but if you're thinking of giving up and you're not sure think about um why 
you did it in the first place. Think about why it was so important that you did it. And think about the good times. Think about the shows that you did. And I've said this to my other half, uh, Cheryl, many times. And, and I have to say that I'm very, very proud of her because she stepped away from music because it just wasn't what it was for her. And she, she, she fell out of love with it. And, uh, and maybe music fell out of love with her a little bit as well. And it wasn't treating her as well as it could. And she put a lot of work in and a lot of hours and a lot of soul searching. And um, she's taken a few shows just to dip her toe in the water, just to see if it's over yet, you know, just to see if it's done. And um, I said to her, just just come back on your terms. And I, I see music as being a relationship, almost, if you have a relationship with music. And I, I don't want to get all heavy on you, uh, on you lovely people out there. But if you're in a relationship and sometimes it isn't going as easy as you would like, sometimes if you find that you're only staying because you've got nowhere else to go, then you become beholding to that other person. And that other person technically then can get away with murder and you're banged to rights and you can't do anything. So what happens then is you think, I, I can't leave because this is the only place I live. I can't live anywhere else. I can't do anywhere else. And what happens is you have to make it work. You have to try and you have to to go for it. And you don't want music to be something that owns you. It's really, really nice if you're able to say, well, I've got it to a place where I want it to be. I've got it to a level where I'm looking at it and thinking, I don't have to play every Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday if I don't want to. All right, financially, yeah, we've all got to earn the crust. We've all got to earn our money. We've all, of course we have. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. But when music becomes purely about the money, and money is the only reason that you get up on that stage on a Saturday night, then step away. And Cheryl is looking to just dip her toe in the water and just see. Now, what I'm saying is when it, when it comes to to the, the relationship, is sometimes if you do step away from that relationship and then you go back, and I'm sure everybody knows somebody who stepped away from a relationship and then gone back. When you go back, especially if something's happened or you've made a mistake or whatever, you then feel that it's not a level playing ground anymore. That you you then are beholding to that person and you're not able to be free with your decisions because you think, well, you know, at the end of the day, she took me back or he took me back. So if you're going to get into music, don't get to the point where you just turn around and keep doing it and keep doing it to the point where you go, I had to keep going back to music because although it was making me feel like rubbish every weekend, um, you know, I, I, I love it. And, um, you know, no, hang on a minute. Take a take a really good look. T have a look at your, uh, your music as being a relationship. Would you want to be in a relationship with somebody who made you feel that way? Would you want to be in a relationship with somebody who was able to pick you up and make you feel really, really great sometimes and then drop you like a bad habit on a Sunday afternoon? Because that's what music can do to you. If you're thinking of giving up, I'm not going to stand here and say, but music's such a great thing to do. It, it, music's been my life. Music has been a passion for me. But that's for me. If it isn't for somebody else, then you don't have to do it. So if you're thinking of giving up, weigh up all of your options. Is there a way that you could maybe um, 
get a part-time job and just do the shows that you want to do, like Cheryl is doing. She's just doing a few shows that she wants to do. And um, if it leads to her just gradually building her confidence up and doing some more shows or anything like that and getting back into it, that's fine. But as I've spoken to her and I've said to many people in that position, if you jump back in straight away, you'll find out that maybe that wasn't the way. And you want to get it to a level where you have it and there's no, there's not as much pressure on you. So first of all, as my original point was, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. And if you feel like there's nothing else that you can do, is there a way that you could maybe take it in a slightly different direction? If you're playing every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and playing to people that you don't want to necessarily play to, or you feel intimidated, is there a way that you could put together a set that could that could be played, that you could play in care homes, that would be a nice little relaxing set and you could earn some money during the week? Is there a different direction? Because at this level, there are so many different ways of earning money. There are so many different venues that you can play. There are so many different circles that you can move in. There are care home entertainers. There are women's institutes that have uh, performances. There are lots of weddings and lots of things where you don't have to, to you know, entertain beer-swilling public bar types on Friday nights with their shirts off and hanging hanging from the chandeliers if you feel intimidated by that. So I don't know what your reasons are. But the only thing I'll say is don't do anything that you don't want to do and maybe think about, don't don't turn your back on it. I would say definitely don't turn your back on it and say, I don't want to do it anymore until you're sure. If you're not sure, then have a look at it and say, okay, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll try and get a part-time job and I'll do, I'll cut my hours down with the music. Maybe I'll just do one show a week, maybe I'll just do four, you know, two or three shows a month. So I'm just keeping my hand in. But um, I would say, look at your options and look at what you do. I'm trapped a little bit by music, but I've got no problem with that, you know. And and um, if I ever felt I was doing something I didn't want to do, I'd just say I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something else. But you got to have, you got to find something else. So there are different ways to earn some money from music, and you don't have to feel the way you feel. Um, if you feel intimidated or you just feel out of love with music, you can fall back in love with music, but it would be a different relationship. It would be that that music would have changed your your opinion of music and the way that you approach music would have changed. It would you'll be seeing it from a different way because the pressure won't be there. Every gig that you play won't be, oh my god, they didn't want me back. They haven't rung me. I, I need to have it back. It would just be, yeah, it was a good show. Hopefully they'll ring and go on to the next one. We're finding this at the moment, a lot of the shows that we're doing because of the lockdown, is um, we're doing the corporate shows. And the corporate shows, you never really work for the same person twice. And you go and you do your job and you shake a few hands. Thanks very much. Good night. God bless. See you later. We're out of there. We get our money. And on to the next one. And uh, you have your, your regular venues, but you don't want to be walking into a new venue and going, oh, I hope they want me back. I hope they brought me back. Just um, we're in a nice position, fortunately, but it took us a, a hell of a long time to get there. But um, thank you so much for your question. And, and the only thing I could ever say is take a, take a real hard look at it before you step away. But if you're sure you want to step away, then once you, once you get out of it, you can always get back into it in a few years. You, if you, once you cut your gigs down, you're starting from scratch anyway, and everybody is at the moment. So if you suddenly feel the need to do it in a few years, dip your toe in the water and then build it up again. But um, have a good think about it first. And um, remember the good times. And um, don't worry about the bad ones. Um, all right. Unless, you know, unless that's the reason why you're stepping away. But um, 
you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to ever say to anybody, please carry on doing it because it isn't for everybody. Thank you for your question. Need help setting up your own home studio? Why not book a consultation online? Here at Innovation Studios, we can help and advise on the best equipment for you, your ideas, your budget, and your space. Maybe even book a home visit. We can help you set up, install, and use your software, offering a recording workshop in your very own studio in your very own home, going through techniques and offering advice and guidance to get you up and running. Go to www.innovationstudios.com for further information. KP from Clapham. KP says, Hi, Marcus. I just wondered, how, is in, how important is it that you can feel your guitar resonate when you're playing? Um, hello, KP. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you want to get a buzz from what you do. And um, I think the bigger the show, it's nice to feel, your, you know, your, your, your guitar um, under your feet and the bass under your feet. And you play a nice big show and you can feel it. You know, you can feel the music, the power of your own music under your feet. Um, but I think guitars don't really resonate as much as you would think. You know, it's not um, it's not something that goes through you. It's not something um, it's the I suppose the amps and things like that. It's but a lot of the venues that we play, it's it's more important to, to get to, to, to get a little bit hippie for a while. It's more important, KP, that you have the music coming through the soles of your feet and, and from your soul than it is that your guitar actually resonates. It's more important that you can feel the music and the rhythms of everything uh, in your inner metronome, as I like to call it, the thing inside you that keeps time. That's more important. It's more important that you can feel music before you play it. But actually, whether or not an instrument resonates, it's lovely when the when you're playing a big uh, park or um you know or a big outdoor venue and everything's cranked right up and you start playing and and you know your drummer starts hitting the kick drum and and you can feel it going right through your right through your body from the soles of your feet right the way up and you strum a g chord you know it's a massive sound and and uh, you're thinking this is unbelievable the power of it but actually you can get just as big a buzz playing a you know an acoustic show in a theater or something where it's not the music isn't as powerful so I think it's more important that you are able to feel the music internally rather than externally through an, an instrument. But that's my opinion on it. As I say, my disclaimer every week is there's a million ways for people to find their own answers. Um, and, you know, that's that's my take. But thank you for your question, KP. I appreciate that, mate. I hope you're well. Belinda. Belinda from South Woodham. Hello, Marcus. Why is it that some chords have such a strong emotional impact on us? Um, I think this is a tough one to answer, uh, Belinda, because everybody reacts to music in a different way. I've always said music and smells are the two most potent things. You know, sometimes you'll smell something. Anybody out there who's ever, who's ever visited your old school, I bet it still smells the same. Now, the chances are it might not smell the same, but your imagination puts it there. Um... But even if it doesn't, you walk in and you think, wow, this is strange. And straight away, you know, you're eight years old walking around the corridor. Well, music is like that. And some chords, usually minor chords, 
um, have an impact on us, an emotional effect on us. But music can make you um, stand up and, and jump in the air as well. Now, if we take um, lyrics out of it, so we're going to go for the classical music. Um, so when it comes to classical music, a lot of the Strauss waltzes are beautiful pieces of music um, that in a minor key, which just make you just take you somewhere. Um, now, people who think I'm just a rock and roll musician, that's fine. You can think what you like, because I, as I said, I've studied music. And I've tried to learn as much as I could from it over the years. So we're going to take lyrics out of it because lyrics is a different thing. So just music. I can tell you now, the Radetzky March, and it's actually by Edvard Strauss, not by Johann Strauss. Everybody always thinks it's Johann Strauss because you see Andre Rue play it. But it's actually Edvard Strauss, who was the, uh, uh, the oldest brother of the Strauss family, I believe. And he wrote the Radetzky March. And the Radetzky March is just a powerful piece of music that makes me want... I could walk through a wall when I've just listened to that. It's so powerful. It's so strong. And although I've never even considered it, I reckon that I could conduct it because I know intricately every single part of that. When it goes to the strings, when it goes to the timpani, I know exactly where it goes. So the Radetzky March... Is a, is a very, very powerful and moving piece. I think Land of Hope and Glory is an unbelievable, inspiring piece. Why is it passionate? Why does it move you? Maybe it's just a pride thing. Um, obviously the national anthem. But um, there are certain pieces of music now to get away from that. Mozart's Clarinet Concerto, Part 1, Allegro, um, moves me. And it's about nine and a half minutes, I think, ten minutes long. Um but it just moves me and it moves me because um, I heard it when I was at school and it just I just fell in love with it straight away. And all of the Strauss waltzes, Tales from Vienna Woods, Roses from the South. And uh, and obviously you've got things like Beethoven's Beethoven's Fifth, which a lot of people actually when people always talk about um, smoke on the watering of down, 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 it's, oh, it's really easy to play. Well, so is Beethoven's fifth. Da, 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 dum, da, 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 dum. Everyone knows it. Everyone sits up and goes, wow, great piece of music. Classical music can inspire you in a way. Um, there are, I think it's a Requiem. I, I forget who it is. It might be Mozart, uh, one of his Requiems. And it's just a beautiful piece of music. And it just makes you sad. And why does it make you sad? And uh, be, Because we don't know what resonates with our, uh, our, our inside, uh, you know, our souls. Um, a lot of the time, music will make you emotional because um, it will remind you of something or somebody or somewhere instantly. It will take you back to the innocence of childhood and it will take you back to a time when things were easy. You didn't have bills. You didn't have mortgages. You didn't have divorces. You didn't have, you know, you know all of this stuff that you, that you may or may not have going on in your life. Didn't have that when you were a kid. And it's an innocence of running in when it was always sunny. You know, we never had rain when I was a kid. It never rained. It was always sunny every single day. And the, and the summer holidays were spent on the beach. And I doubt you get a, two days during the summer. These, these days you could sit on the beach. So um, music moves us because it reminds us of something. And music, most, of, most um, of all, takes us somewhere. And uh, it takes you somewhere in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. Minor chords are sad. Um, 
but power chords. I mean, you know, t- taking lyrics out of it again, The Loner by Gary Moore. Um, it's a, it's um, you know, an instrumental piece, but the way it's played, it just tears me up. It's amazing. And Apache will always move me because it's the first piece I ever learned on it, on electric guitar. And, I, and I'll, t- I'll let you into a secret. It's not really much of a secret. But uh, when I first started teaching, um, I taught a young boy called Chris. Um, and I'm trying desperately to try and think of his name, Smith, Chris Smith. And he was a very young boy, he's 15. And he's mentioned, actually, my interview with Freddie, uh, Freddie Fabs, um, because Freddie was at that show. And um, Chris, we walked backstage and Chris came out playing my guitar, playing a solo. He was a talented kid. And um, Chris, I was teaching him how to play Apache in the very early times. And, and uh, so I broke down. I didn't break down, but it was a real emotional experience because it was the first piece I'd ever learned on electric guitar. And then uh, and I'd sat where Chris was and being the pupil. And now I'm the teacher and someone's playing it. And my music teacher, Roger, Roger Davies, who, who I saw a few years ago for the first time in years, taught me that. And Roger was the coolest person I'd ever met when I was eight, nine years old. Had his own guitars and had his little room where he taught from and had a Fender guitar and all that. And um, to, to, to uh, take the knowledge that Roger had given me and then to pass it on and to be the teacher having been the pupil was an emotional experience so that's why that's why it resonated with me but i think everybody has a different piece of music this is where music therapy comes in if you're doing music therapy and you 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 play the same piece of music and you'll talk about that piece of music and you might find that um the same piece of music this is where sometimes i haven't done it for for a while but for a while i did a little bit of music therapy and you'd go into maybe one of the um wards or something like that where they were they were trying to get somebody to open up and you play a bit of music and you'd often find you play a piece of music and one person would laugh because it reminded them of something funny and one person would cry because it reminded them somebody and somebody else would get up and walk out because they couldn't take it and then the 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 people the therapists would grab hold of that person or grab hold of them but find them and say what what moved you and they might open up about something they'd never opened up about before so music therapy is exactly that. It's because people react to music. And music therapy, yes, we react to sound. And yes, we, um, I've had conversations with people who say, you should listen to music at 48 hertz because that's more in touch with the soul. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but apparently it is. You should listen to it at 48 hertz because that's more resonates better with the soul. I don't know how you do that. Um, well, I probably do know, but it'd take too long to explain. Um but the, the, the reason that music therapy is exactly music therapy is because no two cases are the same and no two um, people are the same. And, I've, uh, you know, it's surprising that, you, you know, you, you might play a bit of music, you might get choked up, you're both thinking of the same person maybe. But um, a lot of the time, it's really about it just lights a fire under you or it just connects with you in a way that we can't explain and maybe if we tried to analyze it we wouldn't have the answers so there we are i mean i haven't had loads uh, for myself i've not had loads of answers today i think we've only had about four or five questions but i hope that um you've enjoyed listening to this episode as much as i've enjoyed making it i always enjoy doing this and i always enjoy uh, answering your questions and 
um, meeting new people and having new subscribers every week. And look, I'm not one of these people who's like, yeah, subscribe, it makes me money. I don't make anything out of this. But I enjoy um, people who then might say to me, oh, you seem to know what you're doing. Can I have some lessons with you? So in, in a way, I sort of make some money out of it because I put myself out there. But the reason I do this is because I have so many different experiences and knowledge of so many different uh, songwriting techniques and bands and gigs and shows and venues and agents and open mics and uh, tours and tour buses and squeezing all your stuff in the old Cortina estate. It's all here in me, in my head. And it's nice to spill some of it out every Friday at six o'clock. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Um, uh, don't forget, you can send me any questions. Go to the website, www.innovationstudios.com. Send me an email at innovationstudiosuk at gmail. You can find me on Skype at Innovation Studios. You can find us on Instagram at Innovation Studios. And uh, you can find a Grassroots Music UK page on Facebook and also an Innovation Studios page on Facebook as well. In the meantime, take very good care of yourselves. Look after each other out there. I'll be back next week. Um, don't forget as well that I am going to be doing some of those interviews. I've got some really, really great ones lined up that I'm looking forward to and uh, a few surprises. Um, and maybe maybe one or two people might come back and give me another interview, maybe an update on where they've been in the last few years since I saw them. But um, I'm making a list and I'm checking it twice and I'm going to uh, go have, have a look through and make sure that these people can um, see me over the next few weeks. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Probably another couple of weeks of Q&A first. And then I'm hoping to start with Riga Steve, Steve Catamole. And I've got uh, Alan Buckley, um, lined up. Alan's a, lo a local legend. I've got Lynn Austin Dutton lined up. I've got Simon Dawes from the Black Hill Pioneers um, UK band. Um, and I'm hoping to get uh, a few other ones, uh, hoping that Ray Begg will do something. Ray Ray's now working with, I believe, Chip Hawks, um, but was in the jam for many, many years. I'm hoping to do an interview with uh, Ray. I've got a list of people that I've spoken to about doing it. Uh, Ryan Sand, Ryan Sandham, the 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 Sandman. He's um, out there. He's just recorded. I think he's making his first album at the moment, so he's going to come in and and see me. So I've got a list of people that I'll be having a chat with and going through, um, and I'm very very much looking forward to that. Look, that's enough from me. All right, I've got to get back to my holiday for the last day. Maybe sit on the beach and catch the last bit of cloud. Until I see you next week, you take very, very good care of yourselves. Thanks for your subscriptions. Thanks for following me. Thanks for your shares. Thanks for being me, mate. Thanks for listening every week, all right? Until I see you again, I'm out of here. Yours and Music signing off. Bye-bye for now.